Welcome to Slice of Life. Because a bite was not enough, you've listened to Brenda's Bites for years, and now Brenda is expanding her show to include lifestyle happenings from around the region. Now here's your host, Brenda Alacy. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to yet another live edition of Slice of Life on your Saturday morning. Hope your weekend is off on the right foot. Looks like it's uh, another chilly day, but certainly a beautiful day. It's sunny, and uh, I see some blue skies out my window. I am still broadcasting from home at what I call the BBC, the Brenda Broadcast Center in lovely downtown Williamsville. So, uh, you know, life as we know it has changed dramatically, and uh, what a week it was. My goodness, all sorts of things happening this past week, let alone over the past six months. But life goes on in its different way, and I am delighted to have two special guests today with me. Uh, Gary Fredericks will join us in the first segment. Gary is the co-owner of Control System Labs in Buffalo, located on Kensington Avenue. And we'll talk about uh, a special anniversary they're celebrating and what they do. To me, it's one of those hidden gem types of uh, businesses that uh, are very, very viable and very important, but yet not a lot of people know about them. And then in our second segment, we'll go back to school. Uh, Ginger Jeffrey, Director of Communications at Canisius High School, will uh, we'll be on the air with us on Slice of Life talking about some upcoming open houses and other events at Canisius. But first, it's a pleasure to welcome, for the first time, Gary Fredericks from Control System Labs. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Brenda. Great to be with you. Pleasure to have you on board, and uh, congratulations are in order. Your company is celebrating 50 years in business, a uh, half-century uh, is no small feat. And Gary, uh, congratulations. And, and uh, tell us, uh, a lot of people probably, as I was, uh, in the dark until I learned about your company uh, just a few months ago about Control System Labs. What is it? What do you do? How do you do it? Well, we are an electronics repair facility, um, not consumer electronics, so not TVs and stereos. Uh, we specialize in repairing electronics for uh, industry and for factories and factory automation. And what that means, um, you know, those are the touch screens, the keypads, and the computers behind them that keep the um, machines and manufacturing equipment in a typical uh, factory working. Uh, we also repair electronics for restaurants and ovens, uh, utility companies, power management, um, anything electronic, anything with an on-off switch, that is critical equipment uh, to keep our country running. Do you uh, work with companies uh, large and small, is it, or is it more that you're with sort of mega companies in today's day and age? We, we, uh, our customers span the spectrum from one-man operations with one machine that fails all the way up to uh, Fortune 10 companies, uh, very large conglomerates, and the common thread is that they're all in the same boat. You know, a circuit board fails, and as a result, some piece of equipment that's critical to them has stopped working, and often that equipment is older, and uh, the company that made that equipment is no longer around, and they start looking for someone to help them, and, uh, you know, they come across us, and we repair that, that circuit board, and then they put it back in, their machine keeps running, and, uh, you know, on they go to, to do whatever it is uh, that they do. Gary, you know, it's not uh, like you're advertising tacos or mattresses here, right? Uh, and I know you're not a typical advertiser in the sense that you're doing a lot of mainstream advertising, but you are doing a campaign with Intercom uh, through our digital platforms. 
how do people hear about you? Is it just something in, in your industry where it's kind of a, a small uh, community in the sense that people know where to look if they're looking for help in electronic repair? In other words, uh, how do people hear about you if they indeed need help in those different areas of electronic repair? Well, you know, that's where the advertising comes in. Uh, we do advertise uh, on the web. The majority of our new customers do come through our website, whether that is through a, a paid ad or whether they just Googled it and found us or used Yahoo or Bing, one of the search engines. So customers do find us typically when they uh, have a need for a particular piece of electronics that have failed, and they start searching, you know, they'll start looking for who made that equipment. Well, they're gone. So then they start looking for somebody that can repair that equipment. And that's when, uh, hopefully, if we've done our digital homework right, they'll find us. Uh, our website describes the procedure to send that equipment in and often has a price associated with it. And um, the other big way that we get customers is word of mouth. So we do have a large customer base after being around for 50 years. People uh, that are in the same niche industry, whatever that is, you know, that's usually a fairly small community of, of people. And they'll say, hey, my machine broke. Call these guys in Buffalo. They were able to fix it. The majority of our work is outside of Western New York. Um, almost 90% of our business is outside of Western New York. And uh, that's where we're looking to grow a little bit more in Western New York because, uh, you know, we're here and we've been here and we can help. Uh, and are, are many of your clients international, Gary, or is it more uh, just stateside? It's almost all stateside. We did service um, last year about 20 different countries, but uh, the majority of our business is stateside. Um, last year we had customers in all 50 states, and um, the majority of that is in the northeast on uh, the manufacturing corridor, but it is all over the country, and um, you know the boxes show up every day in in the parcel post and uh we open it up it's like christmas <laughs> i bet it is i bet it is it's a great analogy uh you know and it's really impressive numbers i have some information that uh that your wife sent me chris who is your marketing manager and i very much appreciate the thoroughness of that but uh the, the numbers are really staggering since 1970 your company has completed repairs on more than 100,000 industrial electronic controls and supported customers from every state and almost every continent, which is really impressive. You've worked with over 10,000 customers in every industry. Uh, as you mentioned, Gary, from maybe a, a lone, you know, sole proprietor to Fortune 100 companies. Uh, the, the, is it, I guess for somebody who doesn't know a whole lot about electronic repair, whether you're working with somebody who runs a, a one-person shop or somebody who has thousands of employees, do you find that what you do is similar in the sense that the repair is the repair? Uh, you know, I, I used to think that, but every day um, we see something almost completely unique that we've never seen before. Really? So there's a lot of repairs that are very what we would call typical. Right? This is a standard, normal repair and it doesn't matter where that equipment came from or what industry it's been supporting. It's very similar to other stuff that's like it. And in those cases, yes, the repair is the repair. We get right down to the component level on those circuit boards. So on the circuit board, those green circuit boards, there's all kinds of components, chips, resistors, capacitors. We troubleshoot right down to the failed component, or usually components, and we repair them, replace them. We have a 
tens of thousands of those in stock on hand ready to go to make the, the repair quickly. And then on other cases, it's a thing that does something we've never seen before, and, uh, you know, we really have to put our engineering hats on. I'm a, an engineer, electron, electrical engineer. My partner's an electrical engineer. We have two other um, technicians that are engineers in their home countries, but their, um, you know, their paper didn't transfer to here, so we've got their engineering expertise, and we come together as a team to figure out what is this thing what does it do, how does it work, and how can we fix it to solve our customers' problems? So it really is interesting work because it's something different every day. There's always something uh, unique that comes in. It strikes me uh, you're almost like electronic detectives. Absolutely. You have to be a detective. You have to ask the right questions to the customers because, you know, our customers are manufacturing bread and pizza and uh, plastic widgets. They're not electronic mm -hmm. specialists. So it's often difficult for them to even troubleshoot down to, to the module to send us, uh, let alone give us a good problem statement. So we have to ask questions that they understand to help us troubleshoot what the problem is, and it very much is like being a detective. Gary, you mentioned um, that you have a partner, Ed uh, Bielek. Am I pronouncing his name correctly? Yes. Uh, you and Ed purchased the company, Control System Labs, in 2015. So the company itself is celebrating 50 years in business. You're celebrating five years as owners. What uh, prompted you to go from, uh, you know, an employee to an owner? So this is a company, um, you know, that certainly has a growth potential. The electronics in factory automation is going up every day, you know. 20 or 30 years ago, a, a big machine might have had uh, an on-off switch and a couple of buttons, and now it has a full touchscreen and a very complex operating system behind it. So the number of items that need to be repaired is increasing. It's a growth industry, and uh, I feel there's a lot that we can do to bring to the direction of Control System Labs in order to take it into the, the next decade. Um, you know, we have lot plans for training the, one of our challenges is finding technicians that are up to the task of repairing down to the component level, and that's not just a, a Western New York problem. That's a nationwide shortage of people that are skilled in this area. Um, as you can imagine, a lot of electronics is disposable, and uh, there's not a lot of people that are skilled in fixing it. But the electronics that we work on are specialized and tied to an expensive machine, and you know, if you dispose that circuit board, you're disposing of a million-dollar machine. So training um, is an area that we really want to grow in. Um, we want to go out and do more with the field service, service more of our customers, because as I mentioned, they're not skilled in this, and we can help them troubleshoot on-site, and we don't have a lot of on-site um, capabilities yet. So I saw those areas there that we could, um, you know, really make a change to control system labs. So we made the plunge. We bought the company, and uh, we've been able to grow at about 10%, slow and steady growth every year. Um, and we just anticipate more growth and more improvements. How many people do you employ at your Buffalo location? We have 22 people in our facility on Kensington Ave, um, just in the city limits uh, between Buffalo and Cheektowaga. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't have any. We are still looking for some technicians, I'm always looking for technicians. But uh, we got a, a great team right now. We're, you know, love it in Buffalo. The people uh, are just fantastic. 
It's so great to hear, Gary, that it's going well, that you're employing people. As I mentioned at the top, I think there are so many companies in our area that exist that people don't know about. And I think that yours is one of them. You know, like, well, gee, you see the name Control System Labs. What the heck does that mean? And yet here you are, very successful, 50 years in business, no small feat. You and your partner, Ed, growing it uh, again, and, you know, uh, after just five years, do you find that people will say, gee, I never heard of your company before? You know, it, it's, it pains me, um, but very often we'll have um, customers walk in that, um, you know, from, from the area, and they'll say, you know, I have this broken thing here in my hand, and I found you on the website. I had no idea you were here. I drive okay. by you all the time. So, yes, we, um, we do hear that all the time, that people don't know we exist, or that even the capability of someone like us exists. You know, right. you're so used to taking that cell phone when it's past its prime and you throw it out. Um, circuit boards are repairable. Um, they are worth saving when, when they're tied to a big machine. And we want to get the word out that we are out there. And uh, I want to hear less people say, I never knew you existed. <laughs> I don't blame you. You've got a lot to be proud about and, you know, a lot to, to tout. Gary, before we close, I have to ask you, uh, in such an unusual year, I mean, 2020, is something that this year is something we'll all remember. How has the COVID-19 crisis impacted your business? Well, most of manufacturing in this country um, kept running. So as a result, we kept running. Uh, you know, we had customers right off the bat from when they first started doing closures that were making the COVID-19 test kits. And they were making the little plastic strips that go in there. They were making uh, packaging. They were making the the cardboard boxes that those strips go into. So we had customers calling us uh, right in the beginning saying, we can't get support, this machine broke down, we're going 24-7, we need help. And from that moment, um, you know, we never, again, we never shut down. We did see a decline. There were some uh, industries that did slow down a bit. We saw a decline in April and May, but, you know, June was right back on track, and we just uh, finished our best month ever. Um, followed by our almost second best month ever. So we have um, been able to rebound from that very well because manufacturing is alive and well in this country right now. Did you have any trouble with employees uh, perhaps being afraid to work in an environment where they're around other people or any concern about spend, that? I know that you know uh, yeah, that's a big deal too. We staff home for a little bit to, to mitigate some of that, but then our technicians, uh, the way they have their own work centers, they're about 10 feet apart from each other. So uh, there was a little bit of nervousness, but we did our sanitation and we did our daily cleanings and, um, you know, we, we had everyone do our daily screenings. So I think um, we mitigated some of their concerns and uh, we did everything we could to keep everyone safe. And, you know, to date we haven't had anyone affected or anyone miss any work or um, anything like that because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. It's great to hear. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, Gary, is it... Uh 716-836-2100. Is that the right number to call? Yep, that's our main number, and you'll talk to one of our friendly customer service there. And our website is also very important, and that's controlrepair.com. And there it lists all of the items that we, well, the items that we list, we have about 85,000 items on the website, but there are many others that we can repair that we don't have listed yet. 836-2100 is the number, again, for Control System Labs. The uh, website is controlrepair.com. 
Gary Fredericks, co-owner and president, congratulations on the company being 50 years uh, in business. I know you say you're committed to another 50 in Western New York, Gary, and uh, really congrats to you and Ed for five years of uh, terrific ownership. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Well, thank you very much, Brenda, and I'll sign off from my studio here in downtown Elma. <laughs> very good. You got your own, too. Thanks a million. Take care and best of luck for the next 50. All right. Thank you. You bet. Well, that'll put a wrap on the first segment of our show. We've got one more to go. We're going to talk with Ginger Jeffrey, who is with Canisius High School. Ginger is the Director of Communications. And we'll come back and talk about some upcoming open houses in just a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Slice of Life. Now back to your hostess with the mostest, Brenda Alacy. And yes, indeed, we are back on Slice of Life. Your calls are welcome, too. It's live, so uh, we welcome your calls at 803-1520, 803-1520. And uh, you probably know a lot of folks who have gone to Canisius High School or perhaps their big rival, St. Joe's, and we can talk about that in a moment. Uh, and we'd love to talk to you about that. But uh, in the meantime, we do want to specifically talk about some upcoming open houses and I am delighted to welcome Ginger Jeffrey, the Director of Communications, to our show this morning. Good morning, Ginger. Good morning, Brenda. And you know, just right on cue, the neighbor started mowing his lawn, so you might uh, hear a little <laughs> lawnmower noise in the background. But hey, that's the way it is these it, days, right? Ginger, I'm telling you, it's the way it is. I'm holding my breath that my dog doesn't start barking while we're on the air. So uh, <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the heads up on the lawnmower. Uh, so, as we mentioned, you have an open house at Canisius High School coming up on October 17th, 18th, and again on the 20th. What can people expect at the open house? Yeah, it's certainly been anything but a typical year of going back to school this year, you know, because we are back in school five days a week. Uh, you know, some schools are doing the hybrid or the online, but we are doing five days a week, you know, with a, an option for students to do remote learning. So, we had to decide can we even bring visitors in for an open house this year? So that was a, a big decision for us. Um, and we did ultimately decide to go forward with an open house. And normally we would do it two days um, in the fall, but we're, we're expanding it to three days uh, in order to allow um, more spacing out of people because we can't have big groups of people coming through. Uh, so it's going to be a different format this year. Um, it is reservations. You must have. You must make your reservation online beforehand because we're only going to allow a, a limited number of people going through it in, in groups at, at a time. So um, it is very important that you don't just show up, that you go online to KenishaSide.org and, and make an appointment uh, if you do want to come to the open house. Uh, but, but it will be a great opportunity for, for uh, families that are considering Canisius to, to get to see the school because we thought that was important. You know, this is a big decision. You know, where to send your son to high school. So we, we thought it was important for them to at least be able to come through and see the facility, meet the teachers, meet the coaches, meet the, the, the people in our campus ministry who run the service programs. So we still wanted to have that opportunity, but it will be more controlled. People will have to, to wear masks. Uh, we're also asking families to um, come with their son, but if you have other family members, please you know leave them with someone else, leave them at, leave them at home. Cause, you know, in the past, we might have had a big group of you know lots of younger brothers and sisters, and maybe grandma and grandpa come through too. But we really need to limit those groups this year because you know that's that's the times we're living in. That's right. That's right. Now it makes perfect sense, and it sounds like you you have a very viable plan, Ginger, to make it happen. Because you're so right, it's important to see the campus. It's a beautiful school, and the facilities nearby that are part of Canisius High School. We should probably point out too, Canisius is a private Jesuit school, right? Is that how you describe it? Yeah, we are the only Jesuit high school 
in western New York. And um, uh, if you're not familiar with the Jesuits, you know, it is a a Catholic uh, organization. Uh, They've been around for hundreds of years, and uh, they have a great reputation all over the world for uh, educational, um, their educational institutions, uh, colleges and high schools and and, uh, and other other educational institutions. Um, But they're they're known for developing critical thinkers, and and that's one of the things we really challenge our students to do at Canisius, is to think about things critically. And I think that's you know, it's always an important skill, but particularly in, in today's age with, you know, so much, you know, misinformation out that you really need to, to think critically about whatever whatever issue you're facing. So that's one of the things you get at a Jesuit institution. And the other thing we talk about a lot at Canisius is care personalis, which is a, a Latin term that means care for the whole person. So it's not just about, you know, getting your, your grades right. It's about, you know, getting to know an individual and, and developing his own individual talents and, and, and finding out what makes him tick and helping him grow spiritually and as a person, you know, as a complete person, not just academically. So there's, you know, a, a, a whole lot going on with a Canisius education. And that's why it's important for, for families to come and, and see for themselves and, and just determine whether it's right for their son. Absolutely. And, you know, as as you know, athletics um, really build character and I think it gives kids a sense of camaraderie and they learn how to interact well with others. Uh, Athletics is a big part of the Canisius experience, right, Ginger? For sure. And yeah, right now it's it's, um, obviously very difficult. Our whole spring season was wiped out. So none of our baseball or lacrosse tennis kids, they didn't get to have their season this past spring. And now it's, it's some of that's happening in the fall. We do have um, some of the teams that are practicing, and, and soccer is going to start playing soon. Our golf team is already playing. Rowing is going to start competing soon. But some of the other sports are still on hold. I know our, our football players, you know, we have a great tradition with our football team, and uh, they're not getting to play right now, and I know that's very frustrating for them. Um, uh, right now, normally, uh, we'd be talking about yeah, Kenesha St. Joe's football, because that's always right. a big thing in the fall. It's a huge rivalry. But, yeah, that's not happening this fall. They're talking possibly a spring season, but who knows if that will even happen. So, yeah, the, the, those opportunities are uh, a little up in the air right now, but at least some of our athletes are getting to play. I know I was watching the soccer kids practice out on the, the backfield behind the school the other day, and I know they're just so excited to be back out on the field. And it must make you feel like there's a little sense of normalcy when you see that happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's one of the, the, the silver linings, I guess you could say, about this whole pandemic. You know, back in the spring when students shifted to online learning, I think there were probably some that are thinking, yeah, this is cool. We don't have to go to school. But uh, I, I think they realized after doing it for a while that there's so much more to school than just what you're learning uh, online. You, you need the interaction. You need to be with your friends and, and experience in person with the connections. And so I think we're seeing now that they're back on campus how much they appreciate actually being there with, with each other. And, you know, that was another one of the things we, we wondered about as we started the school year. You know, we have all these rules in place for our students. You know, they have to go through um, health screenings every day. They have to fill out an online form before they enter the building each day. They have to wear masks all day long. They get their temperature checked at the door. Desks are spaced out, you know, six feet apart, and you can't move them. And they, have, they have desk shields, these plastic desk shields that they carry around from class to class. And set up at their desks. There's all these rules in place, and we're wondering, are our teenage boys going to follow the rules? But we're finding, for the most part, they really are because they want to be there, and they, they understand that if they don't follow the rules and we have an outbreak, then you got to go back to online learning, and and nobody really wants to do that. We all we right. would prefer to be in school, so we're, we're finding that uh, people are being cooperative because they realize what the result is. 
That's great to know, Ginger, that so many uh, of these young men have adapted and adapted so well to this new way of life. Uh, we've got about a minute left, and I think it's important to point out, you know, people might hear about these private schools and think, oh, there's no way I could afford to send my son there. But you have people from all walks of life, not just uh, people who live in the city, for instance, or the more, you know, well-known affluent suburbs. People come from all over, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely a regional school. Uh, we have we have students from all areas of Western New York, and we have in the past uh, even had students from Canada. I know that's a little bit tricky right now with the, the border situation, but that has happened. And yeah, there is financial aid available for students. We have um, scholarships that are based on, um, on on how academic how well you've done academically, but then there's also financial need based scholarship. Uh, 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 financial aid packages available. So we definitely encourage students to, to apply and, and see what kind of package they might be able to, to be offered because we don't want people to just roll it out thinking, oh, it's, it's too expensive. Don't, don't right. consider it. There, you know, there, is, there is help available. It's great to know. Ginger Jeffrey, Director of Communications for Canisius High School. Many thanks for coming on our show this morning, Ginger. Continue good, good luck at Canisius. Thank you. And that'll put a wrap on this edition of Slice of Life. Thanks to Jim Stellianu, celebrating 10 years at Intercom for pushing all the buttons. I'm Brenda Alacy. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Brenda will be back next Slice of Life on ESPN 1520.